This is University Showcase. I'm Megan Kamrick. On this month's show, we'll be looking at a new exhibit at the University of New Mexico Art Museum that highlights a pivotal time in history for the Americas. Repressive governments in countries like Guatemala and El Salvador had the backing and military training of the United States, which already had a long and problematic history in the region. The results were massive human rights atrocities, including massacres and torture. So in the early 1980s, there was a call to artists, writers, and activists to protest U.S. intervention in Central America. The exhibition, Art for the Future, Artists' Call and Central American Solidarities, focuses on the formative years of this campaign called Artists' Call Against U.S. Intervention in Central America. It was grounded in the political organizing of artists and activists such as Daniel Flores y Asensio, Lucy Lepard, Doug Ashford, Leon Golub, and Kosha von Bruggen, and grew to be supported by more than a thousand artists in New York and many more in over 25 cities across North America. The show also examines its legacy with newly commissioned work inspired by the original creations. It's currently at the UNM Art Museum through December 3rd. And I'm joined by the two curators, Erina Dugan, professor of art history at Texas State University, and Abigail or Abby Satinsky, who heads public engagement at the Tufts University Art Galleries. And also with us is RF Khan, director of the UNM Art Museum. I want to start uh, with Abby. Why create this exhibit? What was it about this time period that was so important? Everything about the show is built out of relationships and like interrogating histories and archives that are not often seen. There was a poster that I came across in my research as a curator at Tufts University Art Galleries that was the poster that Klaus Oldenburg designed for Artists Call Against um, U.S. Intervention in Central America. And it had this incredible listing of all these artists that were involved, including Group Material, which was an artist group that I was very interested in. And I reached out to Erina because we had this longstanding relationship around her research um, as part of the Borderland Collective and other practices that she had. And I said, do you know anything about this poster? And lo and behold, I found out that she was on a multi-year research project around these materials. And I'll let her talk about that. But to me, it was really this way in which I hadn't seen the art world or art context that I was familiar with coming together around solidarity for Central America. And it felt like a really underknown event. And so it just seemed like such an opportunity to really talk about this massive organizing that we, you know, have not amplified and uplifted and learned from. And so especially during the Trump era, which is when we started this research, this was over five years ago, it was like, we should really be talking about how artists have responded to the urgencies of their present and created these kinds of transnational networks in the past. Yeah, I became interested in Artists Call through the photography of Susan Mizellis. Um, And Susan Mizellis was a pivotal figure in the 1980s in terms of exposing people living in the U.S. to what was happening both in Nicaragua through her photographs of the Sandinista Revolution, but then also in El Salvador through, um, for instance, the El Mazote Massacre. And they were not only shown in um, newspapers and magazines, but they also ended up in art exhibitions And an exhibition that they ended up being shown in was this 1984 um, exhibition by Group Material, an artist collective that Abby mentioned, that um, organized 
this exhibition called Timeline, a Chronicle of U.S. Intervention in Central and Latin America. And at this point in 2014, there was a surge that was happening along the U.S.-Mexico border of all of these unaccompanied minors that were coming across. And I was really trying to understand the longer history that um, was causing, you know, this um, influx of migration across the U.S.-Mexico border of those seeking asylum. So that, again, led me back to the 1980s. So it really offered this kind of opportunity for us to, to shine a light, as she said, um, on this large group of artists who came together um, for a very brief moment, but I think there's a lot to learn um, from these very brief moments of solidarity. We have assembled in this exhibition over a hundred objects and artworks, um, both from archives of museums, as well as like artists' closets, you know, things that haven't come out for 40 years and are being exhibited for the first time, you know, things like Joseli Carvalho's uh, collection of male art that was an exhibition that was organized as part of Artist Call in 1984 called Solidarity Art by Male. So we really were, you know, in this engaged process across all these different levels to, to bring out of, you know, these closets or where they haven't been seen or taken care of and to bring them all together and to put them in conversation with the contemporary works that are in the exhibition. But there's a great story about Erna and finding some materials at MoMA, so I'll let her tell that. The Smith Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, so I was trying to, you know, find anything on Artist Call. There wasn't a lot. I located a few materials in an archive that... Um, is situated in the library of the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and it's called the PAD Archive. It's political art documentation and distribution that was um, founded by Lucy Lepard as well, another co artist collective. There were so many that were happening in the early 80s. I think this is this um, period of, of US art history that remains understudied. So when I was at the PAD archive, you know, and I had asked the archivist for these materials, you know, related to artist call, the archivist mentioned that there's these 12 boxes sitting in the vault and related to artist call and didn't I want to see them? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do want to see them. Um, why aren't they in the database? And they just hadn't been cataloged. Um, and you know, the discovery of those 12 boxes really made me realize that this needs to be the subject of an actual project. And so, you know, when Abby reached out to me, it, it seemed this kind of, you know, circuitous um, event that then led to the exhibition. And then I'm working on a larger book project around the same campaign because there's just, I think, a lot mm -hmm. to tell. Give us in a sense of how big the exhibit is and what we'll see in the exhibit, some of the highlights. Arif, you want to take the lead there? This exhibition is occupying the entire UNM Art Museum, so all three floors. It's the biggest single show we've done definitely since before the pandemic. What I'm excited about as director, it's the first time, again, since before the pandemic, where we've had all of our galleries mm -hmm. open at the same time. Beyond just presenting this amazing exhibition, it's kind of a, we're quote unquote, back uh, here at the, at the University Museum. We were um, especially excited for it to travel to um, New Mexico because there's a number of participants and organizers affiliated with Artists Call who live in New Mexico. 
Um, so Lucy Lepard is obviously a well-known figure who's an activist and writer um, and curator and so many other things. Um, <laughs> and she was uh, one of the co-founders. So, you know, really central to the development of Artist Call the artist Sabra Moore, whose work Reconstructed Project, which is this um, codex that was made with herself and 19 women artists um, and was on view initially at Tufts for the first time since the 1980s and now has traveled um, to New Mexico. So she lives in New Mexico and one of the the participants in the codex, John Quictacy, is also represented. So there's, you know, these New Mexican voices. And the uh, the codex was, was uh, based on the Mayan codex, referencing, of course, that many of the massacres in the 80s in Central America were happening, especially in Guatemala, in indigenous communities. Yes, absolutely. So each of the 20 artists made a two-page yeah, contribution um, that was inspired by the so-called Dresden Codex. And so it's really great to see, especially, you know, John Quictacy's contribution so that we can think about indigenous, you know, solidarity at that moment in the 1980s. And Colleen Kutschel is another Native artist who participated in the Codex. And so we have the ability to kind of highlight those forms of solidarity. Artist Call was definitely uh, an intergenerational group of artists. It was a transnational group of artists. There's many Latin American artists and activists living in New York. It was uh, you know, trans-ethnic as well. So there's a way that, yeah, the exhibition not only highlights a variety of work, but different forms of solidarities. Mm -hmm. This is University Showcase on KUNM. I'm Megan Kamrick, and I'm speaking with the co-curators of the show Art for the Future, Artists Call and Central American Solidarities, Arana Dugan, Professor of Art History at Texas State University, and Abigail Satinsky, who heads public engagement at the Tufts University Art Galleries. Also with us is RF Khan, Director of the UNM Art Museum. The show is at the museum through December 3rd. The show is a look back at the artist's call against U.S. intervention in Central America that took place in the early 1980s as a call to artists, writers, and activists to protest U.S. intervention in Central America. Satinsky says the timing was around the 50th anniversary of La Matanza. It was a massacre in El Salvador in the 30s where some 30,000 civilians were killed, mostly indigenous people. Part of that timing was to look back at the very long history of U.S. involvement and intervention in Central and Latin America. We named the exhibition Art for the Future, which comes from a quote from Lucy Lepard at the time, that we're sort of thinking about this long arc of cyclical time of like U.S. presence there and violence in the region and all of these things sort of compounded on top of each other. They put out a call also to institutions and these were institutions, you know, that responded, ended up being places that were, you know, like alternative art institutions, you, you would expect them, but also, you know, kind of blue chip galleries responded, Leo Castelli, Metro Pictures, and these institutions either just offered their space 
to you know the artist call organizers to be able to place works within those spaces or some even organize their own shows with say their own artists and so this was all done with this kind of collectivity in mind when they put out the call they also sought works that were about central america but also those that had nothing to do with central america and so i think one of the things that's um, so great about this exhibition it really highlights you know political art doesn't have have to look a certain way. Um, it showcases art that is political just through its making. And so I think that really puts pressure on our kind of preconceived notions about um, what political art mm -hmm. looks like and begins to break down those um, boundaries between so-called art and mm -hmm. politics. Mm -hmm. I saw one of the displays is uh, what they call the isolation box. It's a version of what was used in the U.S. invasion of Grenada. Yeah, it was. A, it's a work by artist Hans Hacke, and it was exhibited at the time um, at CUNY in New York, and it caused kind of a, a little bit of a stir. The curators, it replicates exactly the isolation box that was used during U.S. intervention in 1983 in Grenada. And um, on the side, it has a stencil that explains what it is. And it was sort of pushed off into a corner and there was this public uproar about it. And then they kind of moved, they had to move it back um, into a visible location. And Hans Hacke, you know, as we know from like a larger legacy of institutional critique, a lot of his work at the time was about how to insert the news story of you know what was happening during that in the U.S. invasion into the art press to sort of you know by titling it as such by making it this exact replica you know he was intervening in his own way into the way we are talking art historically you know using the language of this large scale minimalist box but it being a real structure that was used in this other way so we were lucky that we were able to recreate it he gave us permission to recreate it for this exhibition and it, it had hasn't been seen. It was destroyed after the exhibition at the time. You know, that was incredible to be able to exhibit that work. RF, I wanted to ask you, what was your interest in having this at UNM, the show? I am friends and colleagues with uh, the director of the Tufts University Art Galleries, uh, Dina Deitch. And um, I saw on social media, she just posted, hey, we're excited to opening a new exhibition. Clicked to see what it was all about recognized a lot of the names that we've talked about here that are associated with uh, New Mexico. Also then when I dug in a little closer, saw that um, one of our art history faculty, Kenzie Cornejo, contributed to the catalog. We have a lot of the artists um, who are in the show. We also have in our collection. That's another connection we have. And then finally, you know, we really think about our role as a university museum here in New Mexico, a state with so many other museums and what's our kind of niche and role that we can play in our New Mexico's art community. So we really embrace the, the teaching museum ethos of a university museum. And a lot of our students, not just in the art department, but across campus are very politically active and are interested in whatever their studies or future uh, career plans are. They want that work to uh, inform a political cause or a social justice movement. We presented exhibitions of contemporary art in that way, but I thought this is really interesting to provide uh, students with kind of a historical perspective of art and activism. Have you had classes coming through? What's your visitorship been like? It's been really good. We hit over a thousand people oh, wow. last weekend. Um, which is really exciting. It opened on September 3rd. It's been really great to see the student visits, whether with a class or on their own, 
has been on par or even greater than the, the general public who comes to look at the show. So I know it's in, we've had music education classes in with the exhibition, of course, art and art history students coming through. So I think, yeah, that's what's really exciting for me. Sometimes the classes just show up, we don't know who they are, but we make sure we know that they're students. So um, yeah, I think this one's getting some good kind of word of mouth and traction. And um, we are having some programs associated with the exhibition on Thursday, October 27th, we are presenting a panel discussion with some of the founders of Artist Call, and that's from 6 to 8 p.m. at Keller Hall, which is in uh, the Center for the Arts building where the museum is, and Abby is, part, is leading that conversation. And then on um, October 29th, which is Saturday, from 2 to 4.30, we are doing what we're calling a film forum screening of one of the films, Ama la Memoria del Tiempo, uh, Ama the Memory of Time, and then a conversation with the El Salvadorian poet and filmmaker Daniel Flores y Asensio um, will be in town with local indigenous activists and scholars uh, joining in. If you just tuned in, this is University Showcase on KUNM. I'm Megan Kamrick. We are talking about the exhibition Art for the Future, Artists Call and Central American Solidarities at the UNM Art Museum through December 3rd. I'm joined by Arif Khan, director of the museum, as well as the two co-curators, Erin Dugan, professor of art history at Texas State University, and Abigail Satinsky, who heads public engagement at the Tufts University Art Galleries. Why is this show relevant? today? <laughs> I mean, I, I'll say, you know, just to go back to Arif's point about, you know, it was important to us also that um, this show originated in a teaching institution, um, because I do think it has so much to say about what Erna was talking about, about like the many ways that artists can participate in social movements and how it can look all sorts of different ways. It can look like direct action. It could look like organizing within your peer community. It can look like contributing to a financial cause. Your artwork can directly address that cause, or it can be some about you know, a feeling or an experience that maybe is related, or it can just be something to, you know, con contribute to say a fundraiser. And I think that we really wanted to forefront that as, you know, again, this sort of learning space for, for artists that are feeling adrift in a really stressful and um, oppressive world to, you know, to sort of, yeah, think through this space. But I also think like what's interesting and important about Artist Call is that it was multiracial and, you know, that, that there were white artists, there were artists of, you know, that were from Latin America, artists that were Central American, that were all part of this and that was complex and you know and i think when we revisit that history we have to think about whose voices are included what histories are told we have many canonical artists that are included in this exhibition and but then there was also all these other folks that were there and are centrally important to this narrative and so we really want didn't want to shy away from the fact that the way we kind of retell these histories can often be through like white dominant art worlds or white dominant art histories. And so I think that we want to sit in that kind of messier terrain, which is feels like is an urgent space for when we are thinking about the continuation of like, yeah, what's happening in Central America, specifically what's happening along the border, what's happening in US politics, polarization that is happening in our culture at writ large. And so, you know, like 
that sort of sitting within that messy space is something that we really wanted to bring out in this exhibition that feels like urgent in this moment. I would say also, I think the relevancy um, of the exhibition also centers on the importance of solidarity. Um, that's a term that was very important in the 80s. Um, and I feel like there's a resurgence of that term today. I'm going to conferences and seeing it in paper titles. And, you know, it's becoming the subject of, I think, a lot, of, a lot more discussion. And I don't think that's, you know, by accident. I think that, as Abby was saying, there is a polarization that has been going on and that alongside that though there are artists scholars activists curators all sorts of different sort you know kinds of people that are seeking ways to come together um, seeking ways to build changed futures um, which i think is what our exhibition is also you know art for the future is pointing to it's not to belittle the work that goes into that kind of building of alternate futures. It's not to simplify and try to, you know, paint a rosy picture about, you know, utopias. But at the same time, it's not to give up on the idea that we can be together and create change uh, despite differences and despite power structures that are unequal. So I think that that call to solidarity is one that is central to the moment right now and one that we can learn a lot from. I could add a little little to that as I've learned more about the show as we've had it here over, over the past few weeks is um, the intergenerational aspect of that solidarity and one that um, one of the founders, Doug Ashford, was he was still in college, right, as being involved mm -hmm. and getting this organization. So... And then the other founders were older. And so you see that I'm hoping maybe uh, some of our, our students can, they asked a lot, okay, I understand this theoretically, but what can I do? And maybe this can serve as maybe some inspiration or an example that even as a college student, you can make an impact and, you know, um, be a part of something larger and possibly maybe interface with different generations, um, I think is, is something to look at with this exhibition. And then I could say relevance just anecdotally on the ground, just from what I've noticed from some visitors, for folks who are here in Albuquerque, maybe familiar with Pope Joy Hall, which is where we have a lot of big traveling uh, Broadway shows. And we are in that same lobby and we stay open during those performances. And I like to you know, be around for some of those just to see those audiences. And um, a lot of folks who were state college students during the 1980s, they're now coming, they're bringing their families to see, you know, a performance, but seeing people come out, I've heard just walking out, well, I, I remember seeing that poster and when I was in school, I did this and, or it brought back, or they came up to the front desk and talked with our um, museum student staff or myself about, you know, their recollections of, of that political movement at that time. So I think that's just an, an anecdote from on the ground, I think that shows the relevance that and you could tell they hadn't maybe thought of that time in a while by the way they're, the looks on their faces and um, was bringing, bringing some of that back. Why is it important to hear from artists on these larger social political issues? What, what do they bring? I always look, you know, to artists or to creative conversations around like 
the most thorny and difficult issues that we have because it creates another space. Like it's not necessarily that artists are or are all activists or even the best activists but there is this you know space where we need to reflect and we need to bring our whole selves and we need to think across time and context and sit with difficulty and i think that artists can often make those spaces available to many and allow a lot of access points to think about our own experiences and what we bring when we want to make policy change, when we want to do activism, when we're just thinking about being citizens and our responsibilities, our shared responsibility, which is what the artist call organizers were thinking about, what's our shared responsibility in U.S. imperialism. So, you know, I, I think that's a real deep creative space. And so if we can if we can highlight that, then I think there's it brings us to a new level of reflection. This is something that I think a lot about, you know, like how can an art affect change? And I think that's a really difficult question to answer. Um, and you know, people often want, you know, to see results. Like they'll, like, what did artists call actually do? How much money did it actually raise? You know, where was that money sent? And, you know, and so on and so on. And, you know, you could trace that. I mean, and they made this big banner that everyone signed at um, the opening celebrations at Judson Memorial Church. And they brought that banner to Washington, D.C. And they, you know, um, lobbied during Central American Week. And, you know, and they raised money and they sent it to Central America. But to me, like trying to figure out like that one-to-one change is, le- is less interesting ultimately because I, I, I'm not sure that, you know, like people become artists to like affect policy. <laughs> I think that, you know, artists, in fact, what we can learn from them is like, how do they imagine you know, different worlds and different ways to be together. Their capacity to be to think about these issues creatively, I think, should be an inspiration, and that has as much validity as you know, as a as a policy change. Um, I think that you know those sorts of comparisons just will get us nowhere. Um, we need policy changes, but we also need creative solutions and creative ways of thinking together. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, well, I appreciate you all talking with us. The show is on through December 3rd at the UNM Art Museum. We'll have more information on that and some images and upcoming events at KUNM.org. Thank you all for talking with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Megan. That was Arif Khan, director of the UNM Art Museum, as well as Erina Dugan, professor of art history at Texas State University, and Abigail Satinsky, who heads public engagement at the Tufts University Art Galleries. They are the co-curators of the exhibition Art for the Future, Artists Call and Central American Solidarities that is showing at the UNM Art Museum through December 3rd. You can find images and more information on upcoming programs and events around the exhibition at KU. UNM.org. That's also where you can find all our past episodes of University Showcase. Thanks to Associate Professor David Bash, winner for our theme music. I'm Megan Kamrick. Thanks for listening to University Showcase.